Well, friends, we have been going through a series titled, We Are Anchor of Hope. A number of months back, we as a church council and us as a church, we put our heads together and tried to figure out, hey, what would it look like for us to put a new name on the front of the building that really just speaks better to the heart of who we are as people who believe wholeheartedly in the Bible, people who have embraced the, the true gospel message that Jesus Christ, uh, the one son of the true God, uh, he came and he you know, lived a perfect human life and he died in our place so that we could be forgiven of our sin and yet he didn't stay dead. He was raised to life on the third day. We believe that we have new life in his name, that we, um, as people who have received that salvation from him, uh, we, are, we are now grafted into God's family. And so we are a people, we, we embrace those things, we embrace that message, and yet how do we say it in a way that people could understand? Because sometimes... Uh, we in the church community, uh, we can have what I like to affectionately call Christianese, uh, where we have just certain jargon and slang that is really good Bible-based stuff, and yet sometimes when somebody hears it, it's like we're speaking a completely unworldly language, like, where did you even come up with that? (laughs) That's not part of my vernacular. And so, Uh, What does it mean for us to be called Anchor of Hope? That was the name we landed on. What does it mean? And so we've been going through a series where we've been covering different statements that we developed uh, called, you know, our mission statement, our vision statement, and now we're on to some value statements. You can go to the next slide. We'll do a little bit of of review. Our vision statement, what we want to see in our community is that we want to be restoring hope in our community one person at a time. It's a really big project and a big thing to try to restore hope for people who have none. Uh, That's really God's job and God is working through us. And so to make it really uh, simple and easy to grab onto, you don't have to think, well, I need to restore hope for all of Florence. No, we're doing that, but we're doing it one person at a time. Um, So that means that it can be just a one-on-one interaction when you go to get your coffee, when you go to golf links, when you go anywhere in town, when you're at uh, on Bay Street um, praying for all the people who are out (laughs) trick-or-treating tomorrow night uh, or what have you. Uh, So that's our vision. That's what we want to see here through us. And our mission statement is live like Jesus and share his love. We believe that's really the heart of um, Jesus' great commission to his disciples, you know, to go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always till the end of the age. What all that means, if you were to just boil it all down to brass tacks, live like Jesus, be a disciple of Jesus, that we would be following Jesus in a similar way like the original disciples did. And that then as a result, we would be sharing what we've received from him, that we have received his love through salvation. 
We've also received his love through that practice of discipleship and learning to become more like Jesus. And so we also share that with one another. And so uh, the only requirement to disciple somebody is that you disciple somebody who may not be as far along as you, even if that's just, uh, you know, a moment where you're a moment ahead of them or a day ahead of them or what have you, that you are just, this is a journey that we are on. So, vision, mission. Last week, we started by unpacking five values uh, for our church. The first one was, no, uh, go back. There we go. Ha. The first value that we covered was that we are committed to God and his word. So we teach from the Bible. We believe that everything we do is sourced from this book. Now, in all actuality, this is technically just a book. What gives it meaning, what gives the words meaning on the page to you and to me is the fact that God is the one who inspired them. And we have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And so every single word has some sort of meaning for us. So that's why in our worship, the songs that we choose, they are inspired by the Bible. Sometimes the Psalms, like one of the last songs that we sang was literally called Psalm 62 because it draws inspiration from that. You know, the song, they'll know we are Christians by our love. That's straight kind of quote from Ephesians 5, 4 or 5, somewhere in there. We'll get there. Anyway, it, it's straight from Ephesians where it says there is, you know, these things we have in common. There is one Lord, one baptism, and, and all the rest. And so, we're committed to God and his word. We're committed to that intimacy with the Lord. So we worship him, and we worship in spirit and in truth. We worship based on what we, and we, we grow in our relationship with him through this, this book and through this community as we explore what's in it. So today, you can go to the next slide now. The title for today's message is called Connected. That's our second value. Our main passage today is going to be Acts 2, 42 through 47. And the big idea that we're going to be exploring together today is that we are connected to each other through Jesus. So we gather to experience God together. And that's, that's the big idea, that is our value, that we're connected to each other through Jesus. So, we get this value specifically from that great commission that Jesus gave, uh, specifically from the idea of baptizing people, that we're not just baptizing people into some organization, um, that that's not just some ritual thing that we do because, you know, we, we think that baptism itself is going to save you. What baptism does is it's a symbolic moment where we are saying that we are now entering into this family of God that Jesus has provided a way for us to do. And we do that through the act of baptism because we are reenacting um, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I remember... I, you know, 
when I was first baptized, <clears throat> uh, I loved it, the, the pastor at my church growing up, um, when I was going down, I was only eight years old, <laughs> and he said this with every single person, and I loved it. When I was going down into the water, they were, they were a submersion church, but we, we, we did that. And when I, he would say, buried with Christ, and then as I would come up, or anybody would come up, raised to walk in new life. And so that new life that we walk in, through that, I, I know it's, it's a ritual, it, it's a practice that we do, that's not what saves us. What saves us is Jesus. But what we're doing is we're saying to God and everybody, I've decided to follow Jesus just like my brothers and sisters have. It's Jesus being baptized into his name that connects us. We're connected through Jesus. And that comes from that idea of being baptized um, in the same way. You can go to the next slide. This all, this idea of connection, it reminds me uh, the, the author and uh, philosopher uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia and a bunch of really awesome other books as well, um, in his book, The Last Battle, uh, there's some, some funny things that he puts in there. However, what I love is there's this moment, uh, if you've read the books, where everybody who's interacted with this Christ-like character uh, from, you know, in this other world, they, they all gather together in this world and they have a banquet. They have a party, kind of like our Thanksgiving, sort of. But they just all get together. They, they bedeck the house. They, they put on their nice clothes and they get together and they share their experiences with this particular character in this book. Some friends of mine, when we were a part of a prayer group up in Portland, this was probably 10 or 12 years ago now, we were really inspired by this and we said, hey, you know, the next time we meet, let's have a banquet. Let's share what God has done in our lives. Let's share what Jesus means to me and what he means to you. And let's, you know, gather up a gift. And so for me, I was going to Bible college at the time. I, I was in a music program there. So I wrote a song uh, in a couple of days and I'm not going to play it for you now, maybe some other time, but, um, but we all, we met together, and we shared this beautiful, wonderful turkey meal, <laughs> um, and we were dressed up really nice, and we shared our gifts, our testimonies of, of how God had met us, and I think that's such a beautiful picture of the church, that for us, you know, there are ways that God has met you, that he hasn't met me that way. Now, there are similarities because it's the same God. However, I can learn something from you, and you can learn something from me. And that's the beauty of our testimony is that, you know, this is when we share a witness of how we've met God, how, what he means to us, we can also give him glory at the same time. He receives that, and we are experiencing his glory through that interaction. That doesn't happen as much, really at all, if we don't meet together. One of the great tragedies, and I'm not, I, I maintain I am not a, a politics pastor. You are not going to hear me preach politics from this pulpit. 
until um, the day I die, um, I hope, or God smite me. <laughs> um, however, um, I will say this, that a couple of years ago, things blew up because of the virus that's been, you know, really uh, defining a lot of our reality. And what is so interesting to me about that season is that, so we were out of church, I was the worship pastor there, and it was my job to always put the audio for the sermons online. We did not live stream uh, the, the audio visual uh, service for people. Um, it was our pastor's firm conviction that we will never do that because it keeps people, it makes it easy for people to get lazy and for people to not join in the fellowship together in person at church. He, he went off to be an Air Force chaplain. Two weeks later, everything shuts down. And suddenly, what used to be just, I load up the audio, now I have to also include the visual because we can't meet in groups larger than 10 people. Um, I even had our neighbor write us a really nasty note because our family plus our pastor's family equaled 10 people, and he was really freaked out that we were going to be the spread in the neighborhood. Um, that was, that's another topic for another time. But it was a really scary time, and I know that it was a really scary time here as well. I didn't experience it here in Florence. Maybe you did. Maybe you were at a different part of the country. Um, I'm not here to, to debate the validity of mandates or regulations or any of that. What I'm concerned with, though, is that it seems like the whole of the Christian community has forgotten the value of fellowship. And it used to be that you could say, well, the reason it's important to go to church, to belong to a church, is the getting together. There was this time last year, me and uh, Jim, we went up to uh, the school of ministry that I was trained under uh, to pre have a preview day. And we, I think it was in the theology class last year, and the guy simply asked, why do we get together? Why does the church exist? Because for so long, so much of our theology is individual-based. It's like Jesus meets you. You are saved. You have your personal relationship with God. And I'm not diminishing that whatsoever. But what is the value of meeting together? Because if this was just for social interaction, we can get a similar kind of buzz of being together by going down to the Elks Club or going to golf links and like getting our posse of guys together and, or gals and, you know, golfing a couple of holes and feel really good about we're together, we're doing this thing. If it was just social interaction, there are other things we can be involved with in that take up a lot of time in our schedules. 
I was just a soccer coach for eight weeks, and that was a very big time commitment <laughs> and uh, a really big thing in town. And there are people where their, their time just gets sucked up by all these different things. And so is it just social? I don't think so. That's why the action with our value of we're connected together with Jesus, uh, through Jesus, so we experience God together is that really, I believe the, the biggest value of why show up on a Sunday morning, why carve out this time, is because it's not the same experiencing God on my own as when I get to do it with my brothers and sisters here. And we'll unpack that some more. And so we're going to look at Acts 2 some context for what we're looking at. This is right after the church uh, has been born as it was, you know. Um, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he preaches his very first sermon, knock it out, knocks it out of the park. Uh, 3,000 people are saved. It's amazing. Um, and then as kind of a summary note, um, you can turn there with me, Acts 2:42. You can go to the next slide as well. Um, this is the description of the early church in those very early, early days. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. Uh, you can go two slides ahead there. Next one. The first observation I have from... It's not really from this text. This isn't uh, a pure exegesis, if you will, so forgive me. But as we talk about this value of ours, why do we get together? It's because of Jesus. It's because we have this belief in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. And that is our common thread each and every one of you, I can guarantee you, has had a different life than me. And I've had a different life than you. There is, for some of us, a large age stratification where some of us are more seasoned than myself and even my children. That's why I love a multi-generational church. But the common thread is Jesus. It's our belief in Jesus and who he is and what he's done. So let's unpack that really quick. 
because I think there can be some confusion in our world today about who we're talking about when we say the name Jesus. Are we talking about our, our wonderful Latino uh, you know, friend, neighbor on the corner named Jesus? <laughs> or or what, who are we talking about? What are we talking about? So let's just be really clear. So who was Jesus? Jesus was literally, physically a person who walked this earth. He still is living today because he's in heaven. He was, um, he, so he was born. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks with Advent. He was literally, physically born from a woman. Um, he is God with us, so he is God in the flesh. He lived a perfect human life for us to show us what it would look like for a human to be perfect and also to be the only one who could actually make a sacrifice to save us. And so he went to the cross bearing all the weight of everybody's sin and shame, past, present, and future, on the cross in one time. He died for you, and he died for me. And three days later, according to the scriptures, he was raised from the dead which no one had really done, especially with as dead, dead as he was. I mean, his body was in rough, rough shape after all that the Romans put him through and the crucifixion. And so God, the Holy Spirit, raised him from the dead. And now he is walking in authority and in power, and he then appeared to his early disciples in first century Palestine. And in that time, about 40 days later, he ascended into heaven, and he is now there in heaven with the Father. And he sent the Holy Spirit 10 days later at Pentecost to birth the church. He said in uh, earlier in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, right before he ascends, he says, hold everything, guys. Wait. Wait for me here in Jerusalem. I'm going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the church exists now because of the Holy Spirit because we have the Holy Spirit, and it's all because of Jesus. We're connected to each other through Jesus. So when I, when I talk about Jesus, one of the reasons I'm belaboring the point, and forgive me, because uh, we'll, we'll need to wrap this up eventually someday, but I, I mention this because I've met people where they think Jesus was just a good guy, or they think that, um, that Jesus is just an idea, or Jesus is just a state of beating, being. And so, like, for example, I know um, there was a friend of mine that I worked with at the Portland VA Hospital um, where she subscribed to uh, Sufism as, uh, as a religion, um, but it was kind of mingled with some Christian stuff in there, and it was a very interesting time working with her, 
to say the least. But she subscribed to this idea of Christ consciousness, if you've heard of that before. And so what I'm talking about when I say Jesus, I mean the literal physical person. I'm not just talking about a spirit. I'm not talking just about any old Joe Schmo. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the one true God. So let's continue. Next slide. Now, what gathering means. So we're connected to each other through Jesus. So we gather to experience God together. Gathering literally means being together. I can't connect to people online <laughs> like I can connect with you right here, right now. I could literally go up, I won't right now, but I could go up and I could touch you. <laughs> It'd be awkward and weird, but I could like, I could shake your hand. I could give you a high five and boom, physical impact right there. I know that we connected, right? I can know that because you're literally physically there. I can't connect with the people online like that. Even through the, the, the tumultuous uh, beauty and horror of social media and the ability that some people are finding online to spread the gospel through, quote, online church, even with online church, you still need a group of people that you are connecting with, that you have accountability with, that they're holding you to what's in this book. And they're holding you up in your faith and you're holding them up in, in your faith. And so even though I know we offer a live stream option right now, hello everybody, um, we offer that to people. Even when we were in Portland and we started live streaming because uh, we had been recording before and we started live streaming in September of 2020, um, it was so awkward to, to welcome everybody and say, hey, everybody, and welcome everybody online because you don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm saying hello. <laughs> All of the same. And so gathering, it means being together. Now, why is that so important? It's because of when we, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, it's in this whole other section of things he's talking about, but he, he drops this little nugget of wisdom. In Matthew chapter 18, he says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. And so you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you are a follower of Jesus and you've said yes to him and to salvation, and when we get together, even if it's just two of us, we experience something of God when we meet together that I can't experience the same if we're apart. Um, and I know I'm probably, I'm preaching to the choir today, and so... Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for bearing with me. I think so too often right now, people are still forsaking the gathering. Now, maybe they have legitimate reasons. I know of a guy where, I mean, he had blood cancer 
And he, um, I mean, he's not just like fearfully afraid of catching a virus, but like he catches a virus and he could die. Like, and there's some nuance with that, but so there are some people where literally they just can't physically get to the gathering. And thankfully within the church, that's called a shut-in and we can still call, we can still pray, we can uh, still go and uh, maybe be, you know, the safe distance apart, but say, hello, friend, it's so good to see you. <laughs> Blessings in the name of the Lord, not to make it weird, but just, hey, we love you, we're thinking about you. Um, our, our sister Betty McBee, she's been virtually a shut-in for the past year or two. Um, and there's some other ones of our number where they've just been, uh, because of different health complications, they just can't get to us here, and we can still be connected with them. So, we're connected to each other through Jesus. We gather for the purpose of experiencing God together, which is something unique that we can't do just on our own. Yes, we can experience God on our own, but there's something beautiful and mysterious and terrifying all at the same time of getting together with other people. Because you may not <laughs> have like similar views as I have on certain things. Even me mentioning uh, the dreaded P word of politics, I felt just like kind of sucked the air out of the room for a second. You know, like we have differing points of view but we have Jesus in common. And so, gathering means being together. It's important that we do that. It's important that you're here. And I'm so glad that you're here. Because, not just because, you know, uh, you know, you can't disciple an empty seat. That's not just the only reason, but I am so glad you're here. You mean a lot to me. And not just because I'm the pastor here, but I hope I mean a lot to you too. That if I wasn't here, they would kind of feel like, <gasps> what's happening right now? Kind of like, you know, uh, Sundays when uh, Robin's not leading worship and it feels like, oh, there's something different here. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> you know, or uh, just, anyway, I'm belaboring the point. Gathering means being together. Next slide, final point. Here we're getting back to just like good old-fashioned exegesis here. So our thriving and growing family. That's what I see in this passage. So what I love is verse 47. So uh, uh, the writer, um, Luke, wrote this uh, as a record of the history of the church. He says of the early church, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and catch this last sentence. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. There, there's an essence of, as we read in this certain passage, that there is new life happening. It's organic. It's unpredictable. And yet there's some anchor points there. So they... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because they had literally walked with Jesus. They were like the head disciples of the disciples, and so they were 
helping give meaning and context to these experiences and these, these things people were um, encountering. And so, and not only that, they were in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were ministering signs and wonders, not to be weird, but to just say, guys, God's kingdom is breaking out. And isn't it a beautiful thing that he is making all things new? He's restoring people and all of that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Cannot underscore that enough. And to fellowship. They got together. And it wasn't always just a church meeting. It could have been kind of like some people are going to be doing with my house later this week like getting together for a housing project or, or, you know, feeding people or just getting together to share a meal. They were just, they were together. They had that in common. And they also took the Lord's Supper together as Jesus had prescribed through and was probably communicated through the apostles to break bread and drink from the cup. And they devoted themselves to prayer. We learned in our uh, study through Nehemiah this summer that prayer is so essential for our walk of faith. And they devoted themselves to these things. And as they did all of this, God was the one who added to their fellowship. We don't have to... I want to be careful in how I say this. We don't have to try to make the church grow. Now, there are things we can do to steward what God has given us, but God is the one who grows the church. We get to partner with what he's doing, and we get to say, God, I'd like to help. Can, can, I, can I do something? Can you use me? Not... Be, not in an abusive way, not in a way where I'm just objectified, but God, can you use me for your glory? That'd be so awesome to do. Can I serve you? It's such a pleasure just to be your child and in your family. Can I do that? And so God is the one who, he's the one who adds to his family. You can go to the next slide. There, and we're bringing this in for a landing, everybody. Here we go. In Galatians, um, there is this great, um, it's in, oh gosh, Galatians 4, 21. Here we go. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul, he is writing to the church in Galatia, and um, he's correcting certain teaching that was done. He's trying to bring them back to an understanding of what he calls the true gospel. Um, and in, in this, I'm not going to turn there. I'm going to summarize because uh, I've taught on this a few times. But he brings up this, he, he uses an illustration from the Old Testament from the life of Abraham where Abraham had two kids. One was with a slave woman named Hagar and one was with his wife, uh, Sarah. And the one with Hagar um, represents slavery. That's how Paul is using it as um, an allusion there, as an allegory that, uh, uh, what's his name? Ishmael. That Ishmael is like, you know, slavery to the law, all of that. And Isaac is the son of promise. He's the son of faith. That the, he's the product of 
Abraham finally trusting in God in that moment to say, okay, God, I'm not going to do it in my own strength. You're giving me a son. And so there's this, there's this distinction here. Now, for us as the church, what that, how that all applies is there's a mentality that we can fall into. One, which is like our default because we, um, we have our roots in the world when we start our walk with God. Um, and that is to have an orphan mentality where we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're waiting for God to let us down. And we don't actually trust God to follow through on his promises. That mentality goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, friends. When Adam and Eve, when they had the fall, they were basically saying, God, I don't trust you to do what you say, to be who you say you're going to be. And I don't trust you to actually have my best interest in mind. So I'm not going to follow what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do and try to protect my own interest. Compared to the mentality of a child of God who trusts God who, as father to say, God, I trust you. I may not always understand or agree with what you're trying to say, but I'm going to trust you. And with how Paul uses this is that that is, you know, at any one point, it's like this dance in our life where we are wrestling this out between these two mentalities of between a child and an orphan. And the good news is that Jesus, he, he died and rose again so we could be children of God, children according to promise through faith. And that's why Paul writes in Galatians, don't submit to the yoke of slavery anymore, right? Be a child of God. Don't, don't submit to slavery anymore. Um, kind of like there's a song it's become popular in the last couple of years called No Longer Slaves, where the chorus goes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I, I love that song because of the message it projects to us is that we can sing in faith saying, yes, God, even though I have tendencies to think of myself as an orphan, to disbelieve what you're trying to tell me, that I'm just going to try to do it on my own, but I'm not a slave anymore. I am your child through faith in Jesus. So you can go to the final slide. So our thriving and growing family. Obviously here, we have some room to grow. And that's okay. You and your walk, you have room to grow. No matter how old or how young you may be, there's always room to grow in your walk with the Lord. And so we are, our value is that we're connected to each other through Jesus, so we gather to experience God together. There's something about that togetherness, and that is something special, just like when you meet for Thanksgiving or some holiday for a family get-together or whatever. When you gather together with people, there is something special about that moment that is unique and holy and good that's different than all other moments. And so when we meet here for our worship gathering service, whatever you want to call it, when we meet here, 
The reason it's so special is because God is here through the Holy Spirit, and we get to meet with God with each other. And so, I want to encourage you that I'm sure here in town, you know somebody who needs to be reconnected to a church. It'd be great if it was this one, but I don't technically care which church it is as long as it's not a cult. Just I want them to be in fellowship because one of the big problems that our churches here in Florence have is there's too many people trying to be, you know, a lone ranger person trying to say, it's just me and Jesus, I'm okay on my own. But things get weird when you get on your own and you aren't as well supported as you could be if you were a part of a family of faith. And so whether that's here or that's at Florence Christian or, or at Crossroad, I don't care. I do care because I'm your shepherd, but I don't care as long as you're in fellowship because I love you and that's what's best for you, is you need to be with somebody else who believes in Jesus. That's all I have for today. I think I've really driven it into the crown. So here we go. Let's pray.